We're grateful and we are expectant. Amen. Did you guys notice that the sermon series this month is titled Expectation? And I don't know about you, but I'm expecting God to show up and show off in my life in 2020. Anybody else? I'm expecting a humongous 2020 from Jesus. How about you? I mean, really, I think it's going to be the best year of my life. I believe it's going to be the best year of your life. I believe it's going to be the best year of our church's life. 2020. I can't help but to think about 2020 vision. And the entire year of 2019, I have been praying, God, let Jesus be my 2020 vision. I genuinely thought about doing a year-long sermon series and just talking about Jesus' parables and Jesus' commands. Like, I genuinely considered that. I was like, 2020, just focus, locked in on Jesus. And so I'm, I'm still going to do it in my private time. We're still going to have a Bible reading plan that we'll invite you to participate in. How many of you would like to read the entire Bible through in 2020? Yes. Awesome. You all can do it. I promise. It's not that hard. But we'll have a plan on version for Legacy Nashville for everybody to join in so that we can read the Bible all together throughout the entire year. Love it. Isn't that cool? Yeah. How many of you guys have, have thought before, like, I want to read the entire? 2020 is your year. You can do it. 30 minutes a day. I bet you spend more on Netflix. You can do it. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do it. And so as we kick off, um, we got some Waterboy references real quick, I think. You guys remember that? That's it. So as we're kicking off the month of, of expectation, this is something that we do uh, every year. Um, we do an Advent series, and I, I really like the Advent series for many reasons. Uh, number one, I just, I love Advent, and it's not because I grew up with the Advent calendars. I didn't, okay? I grew up charismatic Pentecostal. I didn't even know what Advent was till like five years ago. It's just not something that we talked about. We talked about Christmas, and we had Christmas services on Christmas Day that lasted six and a half hours, <laughs> which were like low-key terrible as a kid, you know? It's like, really? Church again? It's Christmas. It's all about Jesus. We would do New Year's Eve services up into two o'clock. Now, I remember sleeping under the pew as a kid because that was just our thing, you know? That's how we uh, went about serving Jesus and celebrating the Advent season. But I love Advent. Advent literally means, if you thought it was just a holiday, Advent literally means the arrival. All right, that's what Advent means. Everybody say the arrival. the arrival. That's what it means. And so when we celebrate Advent, what we're celebrating, church, is we're celebrating the arrival of the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen? And so when we read through the scriptures, uh, we read the story of the Son of God, Jesus being born in a manger in a town called Bethlehem, uh, to parents, Joseph and Mary. You guys remember this story, right? And so that is an advent. That is an arrival that the church celebrates, commemorates, remembers. And, uh, you know, we participate in that advent. But thank God we also get to participate in another advent, which is the second coming of Jesus. Amen. And so we are expectant in the same way that the wise men were expectant to find the Messiah. We are expectant for our Savior, our Deliverer, Jesus, to return for his bride. Yes. 
right? Amen? That we're expectant for that Advent. But also during the Advent season, it is a wonderful opportunity for Jesus to be born again, again in your heart. For Jesus to literally have another Advent, an arrival in your heart during Christmas time. For the Son of God to be born afresh in your life so that you can step out of this year with your hands held high in victory, saying, God brought me through. I went through hell and high water, but God got me through. He's been my Savior. He's been my deliverer. He's been my protector. He's never failed me. He's never left me nor forsake me. He has been the one that has shown up this year, and he has arrived again. And then that fire of first love is rekindled. And we kick off the year with a renewed passion to seek God through the scripture, to seek God through fasting, to seek God through devotion, to seek God through prayer. And, and that's what we get to celebrate during the Advent season. So the Advent season is always special for us. And I even take all of my preaching assignments from the lectionary. Do you guys know what the lectionary is? Like the Book of Common Prayer? Like I did not grow up this way. I didn't know about the liturg liturgical elements uh, of church. But what I do every year is I look at the passages of Scripture that our brothers and sisters are preaching and teaching worldwide. Like today, Sunday, the Lord's Day, this day, there are thousands, millions of Christians that are reading the exact same Advent passage and their pastor or their priest or... Somebody is preaching from it, and I love to do that. I love, one of the reasons I love to do it, it's, it's not only the truth, but I also get to grow as a preacher. Like, you know, there's some hard uh, assignments in the Advent series. I'm, I'm about to start the first one today, and I got so confused when I read it through for the first time. I was like, God, it's Christmas. Nobody wants to hear about eschatology. The end times, you know, I'm like, I don't know, God, shouldn't we like come in light, you know, like take an on-ramp, you know, onto the Advent season. But this was the first passage of scripture. It scared me a little bit, which is why I'm excited to share it with you. Um, and it's, it, we're going to kick off expectation series with Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 through 44. Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. So if you want to, you can open it up in your Bible. If not, you can read it uh, from the screen. But Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 through 44. As you're finding it, I just want to say congratulations. Congratulations, Kirk and Soraya, congratulations. Um, y'all are not, y'all probably won't remember anything I say today, and that's okay. I, I, I was looking for Kirk during worship, and I told Brian, I said, he probably ain't concentrated on Jesus once. <laughs> you know? Like, I was like, I bet he's so nervous. Were you nervous, bro? You probably still, probably still nervous right now, huh? The heart rate still hadn't come down. Check the Apple Watch. It's probably still high, you know? Dude, I get it, man. I remember when, I, when, when my wife and I got engaged, I was so nervous. I thought she could see my heart beating through my coat, man. Like, that, that, that'll make a man out of you, won't it? <laughs> Say it again. He said he never got so much cardio standing still. Hey, respect and congrats to you guys, man. Congrats to you guys. We're so thankful. Thank you for letting us be a part of your moment. You are amazing. So Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 through 44. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. The Bible says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day, um, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the meal, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay woke, Jesus said. <laughs> For you do not know what, on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be on the ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Let's say those last few words together. That you do not expect. So today, the title of the message is Expect the Unexpected. Expect the Unexpected. As I told you, looking at this scripture as a whole, I was like nervous. I'm like, what am I going to share through this passage of scripture? But as I read myself into the story, I don't know if you guys do this from time to time, but I just pretend like I'm in the story. You guys ever read the Bible like that? Or you just, you just look through the lens of, of, of one of the cast members, so to speak, that are in the story. And I started considering what it must have been like for the disciples to ask Jesus this question. Because they were asking Jesus about all of the prophecies that he was sharing with them. He was walking and talking with them, showing them the temple, saying, this stone is going to be thrown down. This temple is going to be destroyed. He is walking and talking, revealing mysteries of the kingdom of God to them and speaking of them uh, to them about the end times, essentially, eschatology, if you will. And as he's talking about these things, his disciples, they come to him and they ask for some explanation. So a little bit of context here is back up. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 and 4 says this. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then Jesus answered them. So what we here in our primary passage today is Jesus's response to the disciples' questions. Now, I don't know about you, but I have received uh, a good handful of prophetic promises in my life. Anybody else? Like, you know that God has great things for you. You see things on the horizon. And, and one of the things you want to know when you start to feel that you're getting closer is when. When is this going to happen? You know, when will these things take place? That's essentially what Jesus was responding to the disciples about. When? And uh, as he did so, he gave them two responses. He said, there's going to be signs and then expect the unexpected. There's going to be signs and expect the unexpected. He says in regards to the signs, the signs that are going to show up are going to be the signs that were the same in the day of Noah. Now that requires some research, doesn't it? Because you got to go back and you got to read through the story of Noah and try and figure out what were the signs that humanity was given, that there was going to be a flood that was going to come and that they needed deliverance. They needed a savior. They needed protection through the ark. Jesus says, if you're wondering what the signs are going to be like of the end times, consider the story of Noah, which I told you guys this was going to be deep. 
is okay. Yes. Sunday morning, first Sunday Advent. And so, um, so he says, um, this is going to be the signs. And then his disciples said, okay, thank you for sharing with us the signs, but when is it going to be? And Jesus says, expect the unexpected. I don't know if that, that's ever happened to you before, but I got to tell you, that's happened to me quite a few times in my life. When I know something is going down or I know that I need deliverance, I know that I need rescuing, I know that I need to get out of a situation or circumstance, and I'm going to the Lord in prayer and I'm saying, Jesus, when? Has that ever happened to you before? Yeah. And then Jesus says, expect the unexpected. No, no, no. I mean, I need a timeline, God. Like, I'd like to have a due date. I'd like to have a bullseye and end date. Like, when does the term expire? When am I going to get free from this situation? When am I going to inherit that prophetic word that you've been walking and talking with me about? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right? So for me, I thought I would, you know, in, in, include a personal story um, in, in this part of the message. Because is it okay if I'm vulnerable with you just yeah. for a little bit? Just like, you know, share some things that I wouldn't, you probably wouldn't normally hear me share. But, you know, for me, I can think of seasons in my life where I genuinely needed deliverance. Like I genuinely needed God to help me of something. I tried to get out of it myself. It just wasn't working. You guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, for me, it was actually, I'm, I had moved to Austin, Texas. And uh, when I moved to Austin, I, I was there uh, serving on staff at a church as a pastor. And I was dealing, you guys, with some of the most debilitating anxiety and fear that you could imagine. You guys don't believe pastors go through stuff like this, do you? <laughs> we do all right here's a preacher secret we only preach what we need to hear it's all the same for us too okay and i'd moved to texas serving on on staff and and as a kid i'd always dealt with fear one way or the other like anybody else have night terrors as a kid like you just didn't do well sleeping like i just i struggled to sleep i was always afraid of having nightmares uh, just irrational fears and anxiety. And as I got older, I never wanted to sleep without the TV on. You know, I wanted my brothers to sleep in my room or vice versa. I was just dealing with like fear and anxiety. And when I got saved, I thought I was completely free from it. Isn't it, isn't it funny how that happens sometimes? You get saved, you're like, oh, that stuff, that's dead and gone. That's in the past. I've buried that. I can move forward. And for whatever reason, something comes back around. You're like, I thought I dealt with this. And for me, that thing very strongly was fear. And guys, I remember there were nights, and I, I lived in this parsonage. It was a super nice house, and they were very kind to me there at that church. And um, there were nights where I would pace around my bed in prayer, dealing with so much fear that I just couldn't sleep. I started to deal with insomnia, and it got so bad at one point that I would get in my car, I would drive to the closest hospital, and I would sit in the parking lot listening to sermons, leaning my chair back. That was the only way that I could fall asleep because of the fear that was taking place on the inside of me. Like I, I, was, I was sleeping for a week at a time in the parking lot of the Dale Children's Hospital in Austin, Texas. As a pastor, I know you guys just didn't think that this would be possible, right? 
But I remember, I remember in that season dealing with sleeplessness and anxiety and crazy uncontrollable fear. And I was still preaching the gospel. Like I was still in like the, uh, you know, the prayer lines and praying for people. And I was still prophesying to people. And at night I would go home and couldn't sleep because I was so eaten up with fear. And in that season, I started asking the exact same question that I'm sure you've asked before, that the disciples were asking, which was, God, when? When are you going to set me free from this fear? That's what I was praying as I was walking around. When, God, are you going to deliver me from this anxiety? When? When is it going to happen? How many of you guys have been there before? Same thing the disciples were asking. And I'll never forget where I was. I was in my car. Uh, I was passing by South Lamar. And I'm sure uh, Rick will know exactly where this is. He lives in Austin. And as I was passing by, I felt this raindrop land and hit me on the top of the head. And I didn't have a sunroof. So I'm like, hold on. What just I mean, it was like, it was so tangible. Like, it scared me. I was like, well, I have a, a leak in my roof. You know what I mean? I was like, I grabbed my head like this. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, because I'd been praying, when, God, when are you going to set me free? When? I heard the Holy Spirit pray, say to me, he said, um, he said, your heartaches are my heartbreaks. Like he was, he was showing me as sad as I was to be waiting on deliverance, that it was breaking his heart all the more and that he was not absent from me. He was not distant from me while I was waiting, but he was actually with me in the moment. How many of you know that waiting on God is not waiting for God to show up? His presence is your portion. God is already with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, right? Waiting on God is not waiting on God to show up. It is waiting with him for him to speak. For him to talk to you. And, and what God said to me in my car as I'm headed home that night, he said, you cannot take this into the next season of your life. So I'm letting you wait. I'm letting you fight. I'm letting you struggle. I'm letting you wrestle with it for a little bit because you've been dealing this, dealing with this sense of youth and this fear cannot go into the next season of your life with you. Wait. So Jesus was speaking to me. I, I think as I read this story, this is what I thought of. I, I was like, man, Jesus, you spoke to me like you did your disciples when they were saying, hey, when's the day of our deliverance? When's the day of our freedom? When is the day that you're going to come back and you're going to liberate us from Roman oppression? When is the day that you're going to come rushing in like the king that you are and deal a death blow to all of our struggles? Because we've heard the prophetic words. We've heard all the great things you've called us to do. We've even heard all of the prophetic words of the things that will suffer. And we're prepared to follow you, God. But when are you going to show up and set us free? And I remember in that season, man, my circumstance was shouting at me. Some of you guys are probably here, probably there this morning, right? You're like, my circumstance is shouting at me, saying things like, he's not going to show up. He won't deliver you. He's not going to help you. This behavioral pattern is going to take place the rest of your days. This sin cycle, ain't no stopping it. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to grit and bear it. And this is why people have thoughts like, man, it'd just be better if I wasn't here. If I could just go to heaven, then I wouldn't have to deal with these things. Because we hear the enemy lying, whispering, saying, you're never going to get free from this. 
your, your, your season has become your reality. Your circumstance has become your portion. And that is not true. This is exactly why the disciples were asking uh, Jesus, when will you return? But Jesus' response was, expect the unexpected. Because Jesus didn't actually know his end date. Did you guys notice that in the scripture? He said, angels don't know when I'm going to return. I don't even know when I'm going to return. He had limited, him, limited himself to that, making himself a man. He said, only the father knows when I'm going to return. You know, how often have we approached Jesus and say, when? He doesn't give us a date. Wouldn't it be great if God gave us a timeline every time we ask when? It'd be awesome. I know there's been so many times where I've asked when, and it's like, Jesus is like, nope, just watch. Nope, just stay ready. Nope, just learn. See, that's what Jesus was doing with his disciples. He was saying, look, it's not going to be easy. You're going to face trials, but what I'm going to do is train you how to walk through perilous times. And that's what Jesus is doing in Matthew chapter 24. He is, he is showing the disciples how to wait when it's not fun. And I don't know there's ever been a moment in my life where it's been fun waiting on deliverance. What about you? We call, we, we, we call this like the fight for freedom. And I'm fighting for freedom. I, I'm, I'm struggling to be set free. I'm struggling to be liberated. When, God, when are you going to come to my rescue? And when Jesus speaks to us the way he spoke to the disciples, what do we do? We allow distraction to become our deliverance rather than Jesus as our Savior. That is so common, isn't it? Yeah. Instead of waiting, instead of staying awake, instead of being ready, what do we do? We settle for apathy. Yeah. We, we just, we allow the enemy to convince us of compromise. And we lay back and we just, you know, like start scrolling on Instagram or something, you know? Yeah. I just need to numb myself with a little bit of temporary serotonin. <laughs> you know? Because I'm dealing with some stuff in my life and God has not shown up and told me when. When, when am I going to get married? You know, when, when am I, I going to hit it big? When am I going to catch my big break? When am I going to get out of debt? When am I going to be a homeowner? You know, these, these questions that we ask God and that we, we consistently come before him and we say, Lord, when are you going to set us free? And when we don't hear an exact date, we start allowing ourselves to become distracted and allow distraction to become deliverance. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit. You know, I'm going to take a little time off. I'm going to move away. From, I'm going to go there. You, know, you, know, you guys know exactly what I'm saying. But really, if we were honest with ourselves, we're not being led of the spirit. We're numbing ourselves from pain. Yeah. But here's what God says. He says that the sun is going to show up. In verse 44, he literally says the sun is coming. God guarantees he'll show up for anybody who's willing to wait for him. In, in Lamentations 3.25, it says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. That's a pretty great promise. Would you guys agree? Numbers 21.35, uh, excuse me, 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. Here, here's the thing about God. God guarantees that he'll show up, but rarely tells you when. How about that for some tension and your relationship with your Savior? God guarantees that he's always going to show up for you. I don't know about you, but Jesus is batting a, a thousand percent in my life. Yes. 
Like Jesus has never struck out in my life. But he sure did let it get to a full count many times. You know, if you get my baseball references. You know what I mean? Like it's bottom of the ninth. Grand slam. Whoa, didn't think you were going to come through for me. You know what I'm saying? Right? God guarantees that he'll show up for us every time, but he so rarely gives us timelines. In Matthew chapter 24, which we read, verse 36, it says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. No one knows. When we require deliverance, remember this, that God may not answer your when. When you're asking God when. But here's what Jesus did respond with. He gave two commands in this passage. Number one was stay awake. Number two was be ready. Stay awake and be ready. Whenever the disciples said, when are you going to deliver us from our circumstance? He said, stay awake, be ready, expect the unexpected. When are you going to set me free from this thing I'm going through? Stay awake, be ready, expect the unexpected. Don't get distracted. Don't quit. Don't turn around. Don't make a U-turn. Stay awake, be ready, and expect the unexpected. Keep moving forward. I know that no matter where you're at in your walk in here, you need to be set free from something. You need deliverance from something. I need to be set free of something. You know how I know that? Because ain't none of us Jesus. All of us struggle. All of us depend upon the same Holy Spirit. All of us need the same Father. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. You need deliverance. I need deliverance. We all do. Okay, God, when are you going to show up and deliver us? When are you going to do it? Here's what he says. Stay awake, be ready, and expect the unexpected. Even Paul, you know, we read through his writings, and he's the greatest missionary aside from Jesus that has ever lived, essentially. And even he needed deliverance. I was thinking about this this week as I was, you know, studying through, like, the idea of needing to be delivered. Even Paul said, 2 Corinthians, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Some of you can identify, right? I can identify. Things that I'm like, it just keeps coming up again. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's just, you could call it a behavior pattern. You call it a neuropathway. You could call it a sin cycle. You call it a soul tie. You call it something, right? The old timers called it a familial sin, right? You ever heard of a familiar spirit, Right? That's what my praying grandmama would pray off of me, you know. I rebuked that familiar spirit. And I didn't understand what that was as a kid, but now that I've gotten older, I recognize what a familiar spirit is. It's a spirit that's familiar. You guys get what I'm saying? You recognize it because it keeps coming back. You know why it keeps coming back? Because Satan is not a creator. He cannot invent any new sins to come against you with. It's not within his power to say, oh, he defeated that. Okay, I'm going to create this sin over here. And now he's going to have to deal with that for a little bit. Satan is only an imitator. He is not a creator. He cannot invent any new sins. It's not possible. Right? So we say, oh, it's familiar. Well, what time of day do you tend to struggle with that sin? It's familiar. Who do you tend to be around when you tend to struggle with that sin? It's familiar. Where are you hanging out? What are the places that you go? That's familiar, right? You guys with me? You need to become aware of that because it will keep you from temptation. 
You wreck. No, no, that's familiar. I know what time of day I'm tempted to engage in that kind of behavior. So I create some positive triggers in my life so that I can move closer to Jesus and further from temptation. See, people don't talk like that really. You know, it's like that just must be Southerners. We're too free today. You know, well, you know, I'm free. I pastor myself, you know. Okay. How's that going for you? Um, so, you know what I'm saying? It's familiar, right? This is why the same guy who said, I got a thorn in my flesh, right? And I've asked God to take it away from me three times. What did he say? Expect the unexpected. My grace is sufficient for you. Stay awake. Be ready. Expect the unexpected. You have grace for this. When, when, when God doesn't deliver you when you expect or when you demand or when you require, what is he speaking? That you have grace for this. They're strengthening you. Listen, God never puts a demand on what God hasn't deposited. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay. Like, if, if, it's, if it's in you, like, God put it there. He knows he put it there, right? So when you start, there's a demand made of you. It's because God's aware of the deposit. Yeah. You, guys, you guys get what I'm saying? I don't go to the SunTrust ATM and pull up like a boss and like, yo, can I get 10K cash out of my primary checking? I got two kids. I ain't got 10K cash. <clears throat> you know why I don't do that? Because I know I haven't made a deposit. You see what I'm saying? So when life demands something of you, God is very aware of the deposit he's put in you. You guys hear what I'm saying? Which is why Paul, this, this, this guy who said, I got, I got something in my foot. I need deliverance. God said, expect the unexpected. That's why he said, this is how you run. You put the weights down. And then what does he say? And the sin, I remember uh, hearing it quoted in King James. Uh, is they use the word doth. What word is that, you know? The sin that so easily besets us or entangles us or ensnares us or trips us up, right? Notice that whenever Paul mentions this, he does not say plural sins. You know why? Because he was aware of familiar spirits. And he said that sin, that one sin, that one thing that the enemy just keeps bringing back around again. No, no, I'm free this time. I did inner healing. Tempted to look at pornography. Yeah. I got counseling. I'm free. Dealing with irrational anger. Yeah. You, got, you guys hear me? Yeah. I know you experienced this because we, we all live in the same skin. Yeah. You know, we all bleed the same, right? Ain't none of us Jesus. We all need Jesus. Yeah. And so when we go through experiences like this, just make it real. Right. We all go through experiences like this and we say, God, can this please be the last time? Can this please be the last time I deal with this? I'm tired of cheating people out of money. I'm tired of saying things I regret later. I'm tired of just going in on my wife. You guys get what I'm saying? I'm tired of slamming the door and leaving my husband inside. Y'all, I'm, I'm gone. I'm tired of walking away from my whatever it is. I'm tired of going back to that street where I know they sell drugs, you know, to numb myself, to say, I need deliverance in my distractions. I'll buy that. Thank you. Or, or, or looking for deliverance on, you know, bar stool or wherever it is, numbing ourselves up and saying, God, when, when, trust me, I, I mean, I go through this just like you do. 
We all go through this. When am I going to stop struggling with this? I mean, in a sense, that's kind of the, they're sitting there and they're like, when are we going to be free? When are you going to deliver us? You've spoken great things over our lives. We're trying to do those things. When are you going to come and set us free of our circumstance? Because all we can hear is our circumstance preaching to us, saying, this is all there's ever going to be. There's never going to be any more than this. God's probably not going to show up for you. He showed up for your friend, but he won't show up for you. You're not as important. Is this it known for you guys today, or am I preaching to myself? I'm slay my own spirit up here. You know what I'm saying? So when we're, when you're asking when, when God, when God, when God, so that, that's, kind of, that's kind of a dangerous thing because it depends on how much stock you put in his answer. What if Jesus doesn't give you a timeline? You're going to leave church? No. Too real. Um, if Jesus doesn't give you a timeline, you're going you know, to get a divorce? Too real. If Jesus doesn't give you a timeline, you go back to using drugs? I know it's so quiet in here. You go, you can hit that man up that slid in the DMs that you felt the Holy Spirit say, no, but you're like, yes. You said, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh man, that like, you go to the app store, the little cloud thing there where you downloaded that dating app before, but you had deleted it, but now it's like, yeah, download again. I ask when, you didn't say, so now I'm done with you, Lord. Come on, let's talk about it, right? Look, God has a purpose. Even in your pain, he finds purpose, right? If Jesus himself did not exempt himself from pain and suffering, why would you think he'll exempt you from it? He knows how to get the glory out of your life that you've been praying for. God, receive glory. He's like, walk through this suffering. I'm out. <laughs> Wait, you, th- you thought glory was just when things were good? You thought glory was just when things were beautiful and pretty? If my wife thought that was the only time we had a good marriage, man, we would have just a terrible marriage because nine times out of ten, you know, you got to step up and do things even when you don't feel like it. You come to church when you don't feel like it. You worship when you don't feel like it. You give when you don't feel like it. You give when you're not seeing blessing. You, you stay away from temptation because you care more about your relationship with the Holy Spirit than you do that boy. You see what I'm saying? Dang, second service got a little crazy. So I didn't mean to go here, but I got to hurry up. So here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. When, when are you going to set me free, God? When? I've been waiting. Here's what Jesus said. Stay awake. Be ready. Expect the unexpected. Here, I'm going to give you two quick points. Number one is stay awake. It protects your house. So, So stay awake because it protects your house. Jesus says, stay awake because why? It protects your house. If the, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. There are consequences to our apathy. There are consequences to our spiritual slumber. 
Dang, how's this going over right now? There, there are consequences to us receiving and accepting mediocrity with our assignments. Well, if it is to be, you know, God knows where I live. Shirking responsibilities, right? Sleeping. You know how most people sleep? By pursuing the American dream. The American dream, you, you have to be asleep to live out the American dream. That's why it's called a dream. That's why it's called a dream. You got to be sleeping. If your whole life is focused on pursuing the American dream, you are spiritually asleep. Asleep. Dang. Does this need to get nicer? I, I feel like I started off just like it's Christmas, right? It's like even the tone of my voice. I'm like, whoa, okay, calm down. Look, you are a temple, are you not? Yes. Yeah, you have a house. Yeah. Under Armour, protect this house, right? I just, I like stuff like that, right? You have a household. You got kids? You got a husband? You got wife? You got nieces, nephews? You got a house. You want to protect those people. You stay awake. I don't want no uh, sickness in my house. I don't want death in my house. I don't want depression in my house. I don't want anxiety in my house. I don't want fear in my house. I stay awake. Not even for myself sometimes. I stay awake for my kids. I mean, tell you, it ain't always fun, you know, waking up 5 a.m. in the morning. That's, that's when I got to do my prayer. I, I got to. You know why? Because my kid gets up and climbs on my face. And it's hard to concentrate. But I'm protecting my house. Which gives meaning to the moment when the alarm clock goes off and it feels inconvenient. But you say, nope, I'm protecting my house. I'm protecting my house. I'm protecting my family. I'm protecting my mama. I'm protecting my son. I'm protecting my daughter. I'm protecting my wife. I'm protecting my husband. I'm protecting my future husband. I'm protecting my future wife. You may not be praying for what's now. You might be praying for what's next. Stay awake. We stay awake by staying prayerful. That's what I want to say to you. We stay awake by staying prayerful. It is impossible to effectively wait on God outside of prayer. Listen to what I'm saying, guys. It's impossible to effectively wait on God outside of prayer. It's impossible. If you're not continually praying, you are not effectively waiting. If you are not continually praying, you are not effectively waiting. That's how we wait. We stay awake by staying prayerful. If you have a promise from God, and you do, if you have been promised deliverance from the Savior, and He's promised it, pray every day. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't quit. Pray every day. Be relentless in your prayer. Create reminders and activations. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on a post-it note on your tachometer, on your car. Do whatever you have to do. Write a Sharpie on your hand. Get a tattoo. Ask, ask God first. But like, you know, whatever you need to do to remind yourself to pray, do it. You know how people say, you got to take time to pray. You, you don't take... you. Take time to pray, all right? It's an aggressive act. 
of spiritual warfare. If Satan has it his way, he'll make sure that your schedule is so slam packed that you never have a moment to pray. That's why you got to take time to pray. You guys with me? All right, here's the second point. We got to finish. Second point is this. Be ready. Be ready. Prepare as though your deliverance happens tomorrow. You know, it's interesting how, uh, you know, Jesus is like, consider the days of Noah. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's so easy to get distracted and take a time out from your purpose when you're waiting on a win from God. Right? Here's how you prepare. Here's how you stay ready. You prepare by not taking a time out from your purpose. You prepare by not taking a time out from your purpose. When things are going good, you stay in line with your purpose. When things are going bad, you stay in line with your purpose. When you don't feel like it, you stay in line with your purpose. When somebody offends you, you stay in line with your purpose. It's not going good. Stay in line. Yes. Stay on the wall. So keep, keep plowing. Yeah. Keep moving forward. You know, it's interesting because he's like, um, you know, as it was in the days of Noah. You know how long God gave the people to repent through Noah? 125 years. <laughs> you know, people look at God like, yeah, I'm going to judge you because you are not the God of kindness. He gave the people 125 years. Seems like an adequate amount of time. You know what I'm saying? Repent. Receive salvation. Get free from the storm that is to come. You know, but, but Noah, he didn't even know what rain was. There was no word in the language for rain. He was having to build on the basis of something that he could not foresee because what God told him was on its way didn't even exist yet. You guys get what I'm saying? So think about that for your own life. Whenever Noah got the word and he had no clue when freedom was going to happen, what did he stay doing? Everybody deserted him. Everybody left him. You're crazy. You're silly. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You, know, you know what I think we need to embrace a little bit better? Boring work. Yeah. 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 Honestly, we do. Not everything needs to be lit. Right. <laughs> Not everything has to be hype. Yeah. Not everything has to be like... We need to get better at boring work. Yeah. You, think, you think Noah was excited at building that boat every day? That boat was his deliverance. Yeah. Your preparation is your deliverance. Your readiness is your deliverance. Your consistency is your deliverance. Let everybody else do what's popular. You follow the person. Follow the person. Stay with it. A few scriptures real quick and we're going to close. Galatians 6 and 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if 
What does the Bible say, y'all? We do not give up. Zechariah 4 and 10 says, those who have made fun of this day of small beginnings will celebrate. Keep moving forward. Stay on the wall. Go and do the last thing that God told you to do and keep doing it. You know, you know how often um, people have, you know, maybe a coffee or in the altar, how often people have said to me, man, God doesn't speak to me anymore. So, have you done the last thing that God told you to do? No. So who are you to demand a fresh word from God? You know what I'm saying? So like, this is how we build. This is how we stay consistent. Go do the last thing God told you to do. Just go and do it. That's how you prepare for your freedom. That's how you prepare for your deliverance. Right? God so faithfully outlines a path for our freedom, but so faithfully that path walks right through a garden. And unfortunately, in certain seasons, it ain't Eden. It's Gethsemane. You know what I'm saying? You want to cry tears of joy? So, yeah. drops of blood. Right? You want paradise? You got to go through the cross. Yeah. Right? So let's stand up. I, I've, I've honestly, I've been preaching too long. But I know you guys hear that in my voice. It's fine. What? It's... I know I'm going to have one of them really cool old man voices like Bill Johnson. And like everything will seem more powerful. God is here. And then like Bill's like. And it just gets heavier. Hashtag goals. I wish I had an accent. Like. What? But I. You have the twang. But this, this. Listen, this is not a church planting accent. I need to be Australian. I need to be. Yeah. These two have such good Australian accents. They're incredible. Anyways. I'm just grateful that we get to do this together. You know, real talk, guys, we're a family. Amen? We're family. You know what the thing is about your family? You don't get to choose your family. Did you ever notice that? When did God ask your vote on your sibling being born? Right? This is amazing that we get to be spiritual family with each other. We may not look like each other. We may come from different walks of life. We could be diverse in our culture, our background. We could be diverse in many different ways. But God brings us together for a purpose, which is Jesus, that we get to celebrate the advent, the arrival of Jesus. Amen? So let's just pray right now together. Lord, we just say thank you for the arrival. Thank you. That even when you don't answer when, you give us the who which is you even when you don't answer when you give us the what which is the assignment and we say God we'll be faithful we'll be faithful in moving forward in what you called us to do in Jesus name we pray